This podcast is offered by Hakkabai Zen Center on the web at hakkabai.org. Our programs are made possible by the generosity of people like you. Two friends are here. Quail's here again. Almin is here. Welcome. So, it's Wednesday. Remember, Huineng Nanue comes to Huineng. The disciple comes to the master, and Huineng says, What is it that thus comes? Which is so intimidating because you can you can make it shorten that what thusness comes and thusness is tathata the buddha is tathagata thusness the buddha's name is thusness what thusness comes and nanyue goes away for eight years and thinks about it or does whatever he does and he comes back and he says Anybody remember? What does Nanyue say? Nanyue says, to speak of it is to miss the mark. Huineng says, does it depend on practice and realization? And Nanyue says, it's not that there's no practice and realization, it's that they cannot be divided. So we have two baby raccoons in the garden. I met them last night at about two o'clock in the morning. (laughs) And I have named them Practice and Realization. Because when I first saw them, I didn't have my glasses on. And it was two o'clock in the morning. I was going to the porta potty and they looked like one big raccoon. Because they were rolling around, they were playing, and they were doing things. And then I looked hard, squinted, and I realized it was two raccoons. They came apart. (gasps) Little raccoons. And then when I stopped squinting, actually when I came back from the porta potty, they had gone back to playing and they were back to one again. So it's not a perfect metaphor. There is no perfect metaphor, but it's pretty good. Practice realization, one word, not two things, one thing. But when we try to understand it and we squint at it really hard, it becomes two things, practice and attainment. And then when we relax, it goes back to being one thing. If you don't know anything about raccoons, baby raccoons are not going to hurt you. Like most things, if you don't hurt them, they're not going to hurt you. (laughs) Although they may try to climb up your leg or something because they're pretty playful. But don't be surprised if you meet them. Practice and realization. So this is day four. And uh, day four is very different than day three. It seemed like people were settled in. People's bows to each other were deeper, smoother. 
saw people f seem like last night our discussion of no mind, no mindfulness. Uh, people staring into the pond and the irises and it was pretty quiet during Samu period. Tender. Tender is good. This, this all looks very austere and harsh and black and white, and, but really it's tender more than anything. So tonight I, we need to finish up with page one. And you're thinking, but we already finished page one. But there's some big things we have to talk about. I'm still on page one before we can turn over to page two. I love the top of page two, but we can't quite get there yet. What is this self that we find? What thusness comes? Last night we read, take the backward step and turn the, turns the light and shines it inward. Your original face will manifest. And we lightly skipped over that <laughs> towards the practical stuff about cushions and all of that, but we have to go back. What is, what is this? So there's lots of ways to try to talk about something that's not very easy to talk about. Turn the light and shine it inward sounds very dualistic. I'm turning something and shining it at something. And I can promise you, you can do that all day long and nothing will come of it. If, if, if we read that as I have to take my attention and look at myself, you'll get, you'll get, I guess you'll get somewhere. Where will you get? At a certain level, what, when we start to ask, what is the self? What is this? What is this? The whole thing starts to fall apart in a bunch of different ways. The first and easiest way that it falls apart is your story of yourself. You have a story of yourself. I am Scott. I am Shunshin. I am law professor. I am whatever. Son, father husband, friend. But that story is hugely made up. I mean, we actually know that a huge amount of your memories and a huge amount of the story that you tell yourself about yourself, you've embellished in all kinds of ways. All, you remember good things about yourself and you've forgotten huge amounts of negative things. You've, the story you tell is massively biased and largely a fantasy. So at a certain just initial level, if I say to you, well, what, what is you? What is you? Any answer you give is likely to be false, just largely untrue. So that's one level. But then it, it's, it falls apart all the way down. And the closest I can get to 
a metaphor other than raccoons, <laughs> is think about the night sky. Think about a constellation. You look up in the night sky and you see a constellation of stars. And let's say it's Orion and there you see Orion's belt and there's the three stars in Orion's belt, three stars in Orion's belt, and you instantly see Orion's belt. There's Orion. There's, there it is. You can see it. But of course, it doesn't exist. You've created Orion. There's no, the stars don't know that they're called Orion's belt. They don't have anything to do with it. Well, that's not quite right, but they don't really have anything to do with each other. You've projected onto them that they have some relationship to each other and you've called it something and it's Orion's belt. Now the stars do have something to do with each other. So you, so let me back up. At a certain level, you could say, well, the self turns out to be sort of like that. Or what we think of as the self turns out to be sort of like that. Because when you turn the light of attention and you shine it inwards when you're sitting, mostly sitting, what you find is little stars. You find visual awareness. I'm see, see, there's seeing, there's taste, there's smells, there's hearing, there's physical feeling, and there's thoughts. And those things are all happening. It's a, it's a good exercise sometimes sitting to just note as fast as you can, and you can get quite fast at this. I'm not very fast at it. But note the sequence of things that seems to happen. A thought about breakfast, and then a sound, and a bird, and a shadow, and I smelled the incense, and I thought about lunch, and more incense, and you just note. And what you start to find is this constellation of awarenesses. But, but what is that? That doesn't hang together very well. It's hard to find something that's hanging together, that's sitting in the middle of all of that. Now you're deeply conditioned to believe that there is something there. You've, it's the, we talked about conditioning last night. The, the, the deepest conditioning of all is to take those sights, sounds, smells, thoughts, and wrap them all together and identify with it. That's what I am. And the trick is, it's very hard to undo that because when you, I can tell you Orion doesn't exist, but when you look up at the sky, you'll see Orion. Once you see Orion, you can't unsee it. Very hard, well you can. I think if you were sitting in Zazen for quite a while, looking at Orion's belt, Orion could go back to just being stars. But in the normal course, once you know that's Orion, you see Orion. And once you convince, once you have been 
conditioned to believe that those separate things are one thing and identify with that one thing, then it's very hard to unsee. Footnote, hard, not sure if it's hard, but if it, it, it's very unusual to unsee it without some help. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, yeah, but okay, there are stars there. I mean, yeah, you're projecting onto the stars, but there are stars, so they do exist. So come on, if we boil down to a star, there's a star there. But that turns out also not to be true. If you look at the star and you go down into the star, the star is a flaming ball of gas. Why are there all those particles of gas hanging together, together there? It's not because the star is exerting its starness and saying, I'm part of Orion, I really need you all to hang out with me here. It's because everything in the known universe around that star, everything, including you, including this piece of paper, everything is creating the field that holds that star together. The star can't hold itself together. The entire universe is starring in that star. It, that's all. So you might say, well, that's a neat trick. But I, I end. I'm here, and Jiho's there, and we end. But that's not right either. If we could look all the way down to the, to the atomic, subatomic level, I don't end. I have a very fuzzy boundary. <laughs> Not because I'm particularly hairy. I just have a very fuzzy boundary. And it's really just entropy that's holding its probabilities, really, that's holding some of this together. So that's pretty metaphysical or pretty physical. But you can also just think about experience the same way. My experience of today is entirely dependent on all of you. If Ekai hadn't so carefully tended the shrines all day, all week, thank you, it's a lot of work, and put flowers, new flowers, in the Soto, where we were sitting, when I turned around to have Oriyoki dinner, staring at these beautiful flowers, my dinner would have been entirely different, and tonight would have been entirely different, because it was the flowers that reminded me of Orion. And you can just take that on and on and on and on. There's, there's nothing that isn't dependent on the rice balls that Genshin and I made for dinner. Everything in the universe is in the rice balls, physically and in terms of your awareness, your experience, your 
moment of rice balls. This is a deeply disorienting experience. It's, it's also an impossible concept to grasp because it's not a concept. It's not something that really is very conceptual, although I do think words can help point people towards the, this. But it generally kind of hits you over the head when you just sort of fall apart. And it goes back to last night when we talked about the mind of no mind, mushin no shin, the mind of no mind. In that moment, in that same moment of staring at the flower or staring at the tree or staring at the raccoon or dissolving into the wall during sashin, often there's also this vacating of the normal self. Now, typically it comes right back. (laughs) But particularly if you try to keep it from coming back, then it, but there's a glimpse. The, the reality of the universe expressing you and the universe. Again, it's not me and it. It's practice realization. It's body-mind. It's self-no-self. Just like I said on the first night, that the flower can't be any different in this moment than it is. And... I similarly said, you also can't be any different than in this moment because the entire known universe has consp- is conspiring together to create you and the flower. You flowering. And Sashin is a good time to turn the light and shine it inwards (laughs) to to investigate what's going on what thusness comes thusness is that universe universing (coughs) and that's why when we bow what do we bow to what do we do these prostrations what are we prostrating to now the easy answer that buddhists always give or zen folks always give is we're not prostrating to anything we're not prostrating to the statue we're not prostrating to buddha we're not prostrating to sensei we're not prostrating to anything we're not People get very hung up, and Westerners have a very hard time bowing at all. Bowing is so foreign to us that it freaks people out. But it's, it's right. We're not bowing to something. The entire known universe 
bows. As you bow, practice realization, the entire universe, everything in the universe is bowing. Literally everything. You, if you want to talk molecules, atoms, let's talk atoms. You bowing, the stars in Orion's belt are connected to that bowing. So literally everything from the raccoons to the stars to the flowers, everything is bowing. Tender, that's why it's so tender. Because when you lift your hands, you imagine holding Buddha, but you're not really imagining holding Buddha. Lifting your hands is thusness. Thusness bows. That's all. So I wondered if uh, anyone might have words from page one uh, that we've skipped over or that you particularly liked or had a question about and or anything from the first four days um, that you feel you want to say. It could be about some things we've talked about here. It could be uh, the tea is too hot. Uh, is there, why don't we just go around? Uh, Jiho, would you mind going first? Uh, in this first passage, um, rather, not the first, but the one we've been talking about today. How is it, how is backward also inward? To take the backward step. The whole sentence is tricky for me. And I, I want to do some homework and find other translations of this sentence because it feels really critical, this sentence. Um, but the backward step comes up a lot in other places too. I have to be honest. I conceive of the backward step every time I sit down on my cushion. That's my backward step. And I, I, I've accepted that that's as far as I can get with the backward step. It's just, I sit down on the cushion and okay. Do others have different understandings of the backward step? I think it's a very, it's a fascinating phrase. Maybe it's we step back from our whatever it is that yeah. we're caught up in or we're busy with into a, a place that might potentially be more empty. Yeah, that's nice. Roshi uh, Mel Weitzman in Oakland says something very similar about the backward step to, to that. Just 
that backwards step. So just like you did, you did exhale, right? Yeah. Which is death. So death. Mm. Inhale is life. So every breath has life and death. So, but we all have this perception or judgment about backward or frontward. Mm. Mm. Usually, backward is bad. Mm. <laughs> Front is good. Death is bad. Live, life is good. So I think, of course. Especially, I don't know what they are talking about <laughs> in Japanese. <laughs> but most of the thing, because all try to include paradox. That's kind of Zen writing, as you yeah. maybe know. So if you don't understand, that's right. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> Last night when you were describing ant in pine tree, <laughs> and you were talking about norma, and it stuck with me. You said as a side comment that you could have thoughts or words, and then I was focusing on on what Noe says in the last paragraph on the first page about not thinking, not thinking, what kind of thing is that? Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about it. Non-thinking doesn't say no thinking. Now, he does say not thinking. Think of not thinking. So that's delicious. Think of not thinking. And then the question, and this comes also from a koan, a famous koan. And then the question is, not thinking, what kind of thinking is that? And the answer is non-thinking. So again, we're in one of these Zen non-dual sorts of answers. But, it, but the answer to not thinking what kind of thinking is that is not no thinking. That'd be an easy answer. No thinking. Just no thinking. And I think a lot of people think <laughs> zazen or meditation is no thinking. But that's, I mean, maybe you're all experiencing no thinking all day long, but I would be surprised. So what is the difference right? between non-thinking and no-thinking? Ah, great question. So if it's not no-thinking, then what is it? Now again, <laughs> you reminded me, Mel Weitzman, Roshi Mel Weitzman from Oakland says, uh, Thoughts will come by, just don't invite them in for tea. Or Suzuki Roshi, San Francisco, the great Suzuki Roshi used to say, I think Sensei said this the other day, uh, thoughts come in the front door and they leave out the back door. So one interpretation, one version of non-thinking is just not identifying with the thought, not grabbing on to the thought, not, not solidifying the thought. And when you talk about no mind, if you go, a lot of no mind has been talked about the most in swordsmanship, swordspersonship, martial arts. 
And there it's described as flow, almost what we would describe it, we'll call flow. Thoughts, but not stuck, not stopped. The thoughts don't stay, they don't get stuck. So that's a difference. That is a difference between no thinking and that. Because this, the phrase, again, is not just no mind. It's mushin no, nushin no shin, mind of no mind. Am I right? Mind of no mind. Just like think of not thinking. Mind of no, and it's actually reassuring, because if all we were told was no mind, you'd say, well, I don't know how to do that. But mind of no mind, oh, 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 okay, that's more common. And I'll say, uh, I said last night, I think all of us, everyone has experienced this, often playing sports or doing something you're really good at. And the experience is intense. If, if you're skiing and you're, it's the perfect run and the perfect day and the perfect moment and you're hitting the perfect bumps the perfect way and the mind and the body drop away, there's a lot of energy to that. It's not a, it's not a subtle thing. It's, it's not a sleepy thing. It's a wow, boom, boom, boom thing. It, there's a lot of power in, in no mind. And we're going to, I mentioned that because we're going to come back to it in the next paragraph. Again, Zen can look a little sleepy, calm. I know it's day four because our kinhin in here was, if you did experimental kinhin with me today, we were, we were down to four in and out breaths per step tonight, which is really slow. Um, we've slowed way down. Um, but, but there's power in all of that. Not, not just calm. So first day, I think about that Dogen was ordained as Tendai monk, yes. Mariana monk first. Yes. And then he got fed up, I heard. Yes. He went to China because of that, this no mind part, which is my translation using more you know, neurobiology, the science of brain science, is mu shin. Mu means everything. Mm. It's not nothing. Right. So I don't know who translated mu shin as no, no. mind. Mu mm. shin is everything. Mu. Mm. <laughs> everything. Mm. Because if you drop everything, as you said, we connect the universe, right? Mm. In Zen concept. So we become everything, the conceptually. Yeah. Or we are already. <laughs> yeah. From Zen science. <laughs> so again, yeah. My point is we are especially I'm learning after I moved to US or Western culture, thoughts are so important in Western culture, you know, called intelligence civilization mm. but even this year i've been facilitating this german like a more 
Japanese primitive workshops, which mm. is 16,000 years ago, mm. which is, of course, no concept of self at that time. Mm. You know, it's pre, you know, it's not even academic. I was, we are doing workshop at the CU border. Jomo, they don't want to, anthropologists, they don't want to touch it so much. In more arts, it's becoming too old. It's not human, even <laughs> kind of prehistoric. It's not history. But my point is again, from this zazen, is very helpful. It helps me because I don't need to think. Mm. I don't need to express. Mm. Especially the guy coming from other culture. I have so much pressure to express all the time. But at the same time, I know I lose something if I say something, which is I lose feelings. I lose sensings, sensing, sense, or intuition from saying something. And I don't want to lose that to make, so, yeah. Nanyue. Speaking of it, misses the mark. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've spoken, so I'll, I'll pass. <laughs> the tea isn't too hot? The tea isn't not too hot, mm. no. Well, this original face, right? Everything is that what the Zen people call? What do you call yourself, Zenists, or what? <laughs> call us whatever you want. <laughs> sure. Is, is that what they call Buddhahood? Is that what we Hindus call um, Brahman and Lao Tzu call Tao? Are they all the same thing? This universal consciousness here, Jung as well. Is that it? So when you lose your awareness of self, you become big self. Is that what you mean? Is that what mm. it means? What is your original face? Mm. Sorry. And then they say Zen is not uh, esoteric. They say it's not philosophical. This is damn hard to, I'm oh, sorry. This is very hard to understand. Damn hard. <laughs> <laughs> The first part of the question, I'm going to say, I don't know. Is it all the same thing? Are we using all these different words to reference the same thing? It's easy to say yes. It's easy to say no. I don't know enough to know and all those particular ways those words are used. So I'll say, I don't know. I'm happy to be called a Zenist. <laughs> um, and the best answer I can give to the question, the second question you asked, which is what is your original face? Is the answer I already gave, which is just, I didn't get it. Sorry. It's 
the best I can do right now. So is it the absolute as opposed to the relative? And these uh, are, she does have a question. Are, mm-hmm. These are various just names for different cultures of yeah. the absolute yeah. Yeah. and or the non-dual. Uh, is that what they mean by Buddhahood? Suzuki San talks a lot about it. Suzuki Roshi talks a lot about it. Talks a lot. We have Buddhahood already. Mm. Is that it? Original face? So there's a lot of different words that get thrown around. Buddha nature, thusness, uh, original self, big self, original face. And I don't think all those words mean the same thing to the people that are saying those words. I have no idea what they mean to the people saying them or to the people hearing them. So it becomes very difficult, absolute, relative, uh, becomes very difficult because I might have a certain meaning and you might hear a completely different meaning and that's complicated just at a very basic level. So what Suzuki Roshi meant and what his students heard and what we hear 50 years later when we read the book or listen to the podcast, uh, are those referring to the same referent? I don't know. I, I'm just grateful to be um, sitting here practicing letting my, uh, my thoughts float by. <laughs> that was truly Zen, hmm? wasn't it? So was that. No, no. <laughs> so no, was. I really felt that. I wasn't joking. Yeah, and I felt it when you pointed at her and said, that was truly Zen. Both. She's the thusness? You're the thusness. Oh. Oh. And she's the thusness. <laughs> the authentic. I, I know. It's so hard. The, the so authentic hard. bow that you felt. Yeah? That's what you're pointing at. Yeah. The authentic bow. Yes, I did. And your moment of authentic pointing yeah. and speaking out. Those are both thusness. It felt like Satori. Yeah. So did your pointing. So did your point. Okay, I'm sorry. I've spoken too much. Don't be sorry. I wasn't going to say anything tonight. Actually, I I gave myself the day off this morning because I spent a lot of yesterday thinking, oh, it's it's tricky trying to teach because then you can spend the entire day thinking about what you're going to say, which is a total waste of time. Because by the time the teaching comes, it's not at all what you were imagining it was going to be all day, of course. Because you don't know what 
Genshin and Dai are going to make for dinner and whether she's going to put flowers out. So it all changes. So I'd let myself off the hook and then I decided to talk about the self. <laughs> anyway, uh, and no, but I, and in large part because of something you said. So please don't be sorry. Because earlier today, you were very kind and you said uh, that you found last night's talk helpful. And I found last night's talk uh, sort of dreadful. When I went to bed, I was, oh, I wanted to say this, and I should have said that, and blah, 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 blah. And you said to me today it was, that it was the best for you of the three talks, and I thought, oh, right, of course, because we're all looking at the flower arrangement from a different point of view, so who knows? So I wouldn't have said anything today if it hadn't been for you, so please don't be sorry. Now, at long last, you had... Is there anything you want to say? Okay. It's nice to see you. Thank you for taking the time to put this together. It's really nice. Hmm. I'm curious about the part that says aspiring towards heaven or heavens. We covered it in the first day. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right, arousing an aspiration to reach for the heavens, paragraph two. And so, why would one have an aspiration to reach for the heavens? <sighs> well, that connects to my favorite overlooked sentence on this page, on this side of the page too, which is have no designs on becoming a Buddha. Feels like the same sentence to me, right? Unless, are you focused on heavens in particular, personally? Because um, some people would hear that phrase as, and think about heaven. And, but, it, but in a certain sense, Arousing aspiration to reach for the heavens and having designs on becoming a Buddha seem very similar to me. Right? I guess in part I'm wondering, um, is there a, a defined, a definition behind the heavens? Heavens the star or mm. so many, you know, heavens can mean so many different things and so many different faiths. It's mm. a good question. I, do, I don't know whether Dogen was referring to something in particular with the word heavens. Um, but I, I read that whole sentence. Suppose you're confident in your understanding and rich in enlightenment, gaining the wisdom that runs through all things, attaining the way and clarifying the mind, arousing an aspiration to reach for the heavens. That's all you have designs on getting somewhere, right? You're, you're reaching for something. You, you're trying to make progress. You're, you're getting pretty good at this. You're feeling pretty confident. You're, uh, you're, you know, you're pretty zen, zen-y. And, and, uh, and then he just turns, right? You're playing in the entranceway. That's good. You're like the raccoons. That's good. Probably not quite as good as the raccoons. But you're still short, right? So it's this, it's the build-up before the poof. It's a rhetorical device. But he comes back and back to this. Have no designs on becoming a Buddha. We, we'll see it again on the next side of the page. He, he constantly in this 
very short piece of writing keeps going back to remind you, okay, this is how you put the cushion, but don't think you're getting anywhere. If you, if you sit on the cushion to get somewhere, you won't get anywhere. If you, if you try, it's Yoda, it's Zen Master Yoda, right? Do or don't do, there is no try. It's, it's have no designs on becoming a Buddha. Um, we'll come back to that exact refrain because tomorrow, at the top of the next page, he hits it a third time really hard. Um, but it's, again, it's fascinating to me how important Dogen thinks this practice realization, this unit, this, this non-separate practice realization is. He has to keep repeating it. Even in the light, even in the midst of these very concrete, you know, rest your tip on your, just to the tip of your tongue against the front of the roof of your mouth. And then, but don't, don't forget, don't try to do something. Is that good enough for tonight? I've been not thinking a lot about the first sentence in the second paragraph that says, and yet, Mm. if there is a hair's breadth deviation, it is like the gap between heaven and earth. Mm. And this, um, I, I really haven't actually been thinking about it so much as finding it everywhere when I sit, this hair's breadth deviation for me is very like physically painful. Mm. (laughs) And when I um, get distracted or thoughts come um, or latent emotions, I think come along and I start holding my breath or I I have been noticing all the ways that my body physically reacts to whatever comes up. Um, the thoughts hmm. or the emotions that underlie the thoughts. And I, over the course of a sitting period, I start kind of seizing up. Hmm. <laughs> so the hair's breadth deviation really becomes this gaping, painful, <laughs> like, Tenor. trench that I fall into. <laughs> 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 and it just is devastating every time I sit for longer than 10 minutes um so i've just been really um learning about that um and as we sit um noticing more when it's closer to a hair's breadth deviation rather than a very big hole Hmm. um so that's been interesting Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by Hakkabai Zen Center. Our Dharma Talks are offered free of charge, and this is made possible by the donations we receive. Your support helps us to continue to offer the Dharma. For more information about Hakkabai and how to give, please visit us on the web at hakkabai.org.